So how do you think the actors did playing people in their hundreds? Ooh. How believable were these performances by people in their late 20s and early 30s? Not great. You didn't buy it? You didn't get great-grandfather vibes off them? Killian Murphy did okay as, like, 70-something. He would do okay at anything. This is my death. Please take me home. I can't do that. Why? They're keeping me alive. How can you live with yourself watching people die right next to you? You don't watch. You close your eyes. I'm gonna make them pay. I'm gonna take them for everything they've got. Come on, come on, help yourselves! Take the time, it's free! You put enough time in the wrong hands, you upset the whole system. Let's hope so. If this works, we gotta get more. I can help you get all the time you want. You know we're coming to get you. I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast. Where today we're talking about In Time. Starring Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Killian Murphy, Vincent Carthizer, Olivia Wilde, etc. Yeah, a lot of people who, even if you don't know their names, like you would definitely recognize them. This movie is directed by... Andrew Nichol, who did Gattaca. Yes, wrote and directed Gattaca as well. Yes, and shot by, as I mentioned last time, Roger Deakins, who's one of the best in the biz. It was really pretty. Yeah. And you could feel how similar it was in concept to Gattaca. It was so much less successful, though. Like, it was one of those that was based on an interesting idea, but I think this idea is so much less feasible than Gattaca was. Yes, so this was like a new wave sci-fi that was written as hard sci-fi. And new wave is like concept, soft science, not hard science. Like, oh, the world is crystallizing. But like, you don't have to explain why. Like, you don't have to get into the physics and stuff. Yeah. But the problem is, this was written as hard sci-fi and we went into too many details and you think about it too much. It would have been a great short story. But as a movie, it's just a little too much. Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't a Philip K. Dick short story. Oh my gosh, right? (laughs) Like everything else. Yeah. I think that even a soft sci-fi though, because soft sci-fi tends to look at the impact it has on like society and social structures. And I think from that perspective, Mm -hmm. it wasn't very successful either. Because if I'm willing to buy this whole time can be used as currency, like time can be separated from our human bodies and used as currency. And if you run out of time, like you die. But I'm willing to like give them a pass on something, except that there were so many flaws for me in how this was even organized from a social structure. Yes. And I was thinking about it later. And there are so many directions and aspects of this that could have been so interesting to go into. Um, Even things that I just thought about after watching it, but that's not where we went with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a very superficial look at the actual concept, and then it was a very banal and trite look at basically basically what's income inequality. I know, and the problem is it's a very imperfect metaphor. So it couldn't really make the points I think it wanted to make about income inequality because the metaphor isn't as good as they think it was. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're sitting there thinking, this is just money. Right. But if you run out of money, you die. And it's like, you know, there's homeless people on the streets that have no money, but yet they're still alive. So it's like, right. you know, there's a lot of people, like, people in this movie are dying so much younger. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay. So we'll begin. I'm sure there will be plenty of opportunities for us to talk about the discrepancies in what they tell us and what makes sense. Yeah. Um, We begin with voiceover, of course. Hallmark of all the best movies. Oh, yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about how it happened. It is what it is. What is it? We don't know. I'll tell you what he does seem to have time for. As much as he talks about not having enough time, he clearly works out a lot. (laughs) Well... Yeah, because his factory job is not nearly as physically demanding as you would expect for... It's really not. Yeah. Then he explains that everyone is genetically engineered to stop aging at 25 and then die at 26 unless they get more time, which is used as currency. So when once you turn 25, your time clock starts, and at birth, everyone's given a year. 
that you can only start trading on when you are 25. Exactly. So theoretically, you have until 26 before you die, but that's not necessarily true because you can start trading your year as soon as you turn 25. And there is no such thing as real money anymore, so you need time to live on even up to that point. This is literally, okay, so they basically somebody just thought, what if time actually was money? Let's make a movie about it. Because that's what it is. Time is money. (laughs) Time is used as currency, which, so you buy everything with it. From a glowing implant in your wrist. Yes, which feels like it would be hard to fall asleep next to. That tells you, yeah, it does. It's very bright. That just tells you how much time you have left. Yeah. So the rich can live forever while the poor are literally living day to day. Mm-hmm. So we see Justin Timberlake getting out of bed in the morning. His name's Will. And he gives his mother, who's played by Olivia Wilde, a bottle of champagne for her 50th birthday. Aww. What's troubling is not that she looks the same age as him. It's that she's wearing a weirdly sexy nightie for a single woman living with her son. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's like silk and short and like... Just little thin straps, low cut. And it wasn't like unbelievably sexy. It wasn't like lace, Victoria's Secret, whatever. But it was just like uncomfortably sexy. It's for just looking like, the same age and yeah. only living with your son. But uh, his last name is Salas. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people's last names, Weiss, Salas, they're all clockmakers. Oh, clever. I didn't know that because no one was named Rolex. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know many watchmakers. Steve Rolex. Yeah. It's fine, though, because she's talking about how much she wants him to have children so she can have grandchildren. So that makes it okay, I guess? Yeah, it's pretty cool to nag your kids about having kids. Like, also when they're single. Especially because he's 28. Yeah. So they have this dumb way of telling time, which is like 25 for three years. Right. You know? And actually, it's it's slightly inaccurate the way they do it because yeah. they don't count their 25th birthday as one of those birthdays. So she's 25. No, she's 50. So he says 25 for 25, but he should, she should be 25 for 26 yeah, because 25 is. is your first one. Exactly. The two of them are talking about their finances. They'll be running short on time after paying their bills. So Will will have to be quick about meeting his mom at the bus stop to transfer more time to her. She doesn't want him making extra money street fighting, though, because nobody wins. Then she also gives him half an hour for lunch, like, so she can, he can have something nice. And I'm like, look, if he's having to transfer money to you later, yeah, you keep clearly, your time now. Yeah, you clearly don't have enough. Also, if you're that poor, like, don't, don't spend half an hour on lunch. Yeah. Pro tip. Seems like a lot. The way things are priced in this movie are very strange. There's a lot of things that I would not consider to be worth the money value so okay yeah so for instance we are told in a few minutes that a cup of coffee is six minutes four Four minutes minutes. okay so a cup of coffee is four minutes and a cup of coffee here if you got it at a really nice coffee shop or something would be four dollars they because they talk about how expensive it is so four dollars for a cup of coffee would be kind of expensive and yet a bus ticket is two hours yeah So that would be like if a bus ticket here was $120. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so we're also seeing the prices constantly jump at kind of an incredible rate. Um, That's insane, though. No, I know. But it's also insane that they're like, oh, one hour to... You know, anyway, we'll we'll go into that later. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's really like they didn't strange. think about the actual cost of stuff. Like they they thought about it in terms of plot. Like, well, why would you pay more than four minutes for a cup of coffee? But at the same time, like for plot purposes, we need this to be this much money. Exactly. So like, there's this weird like it doesn't equate to actual human money. <laughs> no. Although I can see certain things being a lot more considering if they're time-saving things that you're buying, since time is also your life. Will goes to his factory job, where he sees his friend, who will occasionally come up later. Most of the stuff that happens in this plot isn't super important. (laughs) No. And his friend is Johnny Galecki, main character from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And they schlubbed him up real good. Oh, yes, they did. I also don't know why they're friends. Like, they don't seem like they would be friends. Other than they happen to work in a factory together. It seems like they would be work friends, but not, like, real-life friends. Everybody wants a gross alcoholic for a friend, Rose. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and it's, like, his closest friend. Yeah. (laughs) For 10 years. So he sees a schmuck bill collector standing over a dead body just to give us an idea of how terrible this society is. Then we see him working at a legit factory. Like, this society has evolved enough to genetically engineer people to 
to run on time clocks, and yet we still need factory workers. Oh, yeah. No, we still have Henry Ford style <laughs> yes. factory workers. Yes. But they stiff him on his pay. After work, he goes to a bar to take his friend home, his gross alcoholic friend home. <laughs> And he sees a guy with a century of time slumming it. 116 years. Yeah. And flashing it all over the bar. Oh, yeah. There's, like, two floozies around him. He's, like, getting drunk. And we should... Is now a good time to point out how easy it is to take time from people? Yeah. So, basically, you just, like, grasp forearms with the ones not with the time clock in it. And, like, whoever's arm is on top takes the money. Although it's also somehow controlled... By, like, what you say. So you you, yeah. know, you don't have to time it a lot. Exactly. It's not like, oh, we have to time it just right so you only get an hour and then we have to take our hands apart. Because she he's holding his mom's arm for a lot longer after the clock stops. Yeah, and it just, like, slows down. I mean, it's... So it's also somehow mentally controlled. They make it seem like you can steal money from people, but at the same time, some of this feels like it's being mentally controlled by people. Yeah. It's another one of those things that just doesn't seem to make sense. But it's also not a great system that you can just... I mean, this doesn't benefit the rich either, that you can just literally take somebody's life by grabbing their arm and taking everything they have. Yeah. No, it is weird. Which is another problem of, like, why would you use this as currency? Like, it it can be stolen from you, and then you have nothing left. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, Will tries to warn the rich guy off, but it's almost like the rich guy's got a death wish or something. (gasps) Matt Bomer from White Collar, be careful. I know, you're so pretty. Some thugs turn up to rob him. Like, they're led by this English gangster guy. Like, he's got a British accent. I don't know, considering travel is impossibly difficult in this world, how he has a British accent. But he does, because that's what small-time gangsters have. That's a very good point. Also, let's not pretend like almost everybody in this slum isn't hot. I know, this guy was super hot, too. I I know. I was quite happy with him being the gangster, only because I got to see him a lot during the the movie. Yeah, it was Alex Pettifer. So, yeah, Olivia Wilde, I've never really thought Justin Timberlake was that hot, but this guy, I mean, there's all of the, Johnny Galecki's wife, like, all of these people are hotties. Which doesn't seem like that's what it would be if you live in an actual slum. I know. Yeah. The gangsters show up and threaten him and, like, want to steal his money. And everyone flees. But Will stays behind and helps him escape in spite of the rich guy not wanting his help at all. He brings him to an abandoned factory to hide out until morning. Pretty nice looking abandoned. Maybe it's an abandoned apartment building. Maybe so. Because there are conveniently left couch and chair yeah. In perfect condition in an otherwise empty apartment building. I know. Okay, and it's crazy because Justin Timberlake is like, I, I don't want any of your, your time. No, thank you. And I'm like, that's bonkers that you would just refuse that. I know. If not for yourself, think of your mother. Yeah, y'all have bills. And your skills have proven they cannot pay the bills. <laughs> yes. And they went too far in making him the best man in the world. Yeah. They They were like, oh, and he doesn't take from this and he didn't do this and he doesn't want any handouts. And I was like, okay, he's not, he can't afford that kind of sentimentality. When someone, a rich, very rich man is offering to give you something you really need, you should just take it. Right. He's got over a century. He's not going to miss it. And we find out later that he's got even more money and even more time in a bank somewhere. So it's like. Yeah, killing he can easily he afford thousands of hours. Yeah, I mean, thousands, years, of, thousands years. of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So they start talking because, of course, they do. Like, you can broadcast, like, you can see these conversations coming a mile <laughs> off. They are How? very easily set up. Have you seen a movie before? Yeah, I, I have, <laughs> in fact, several. Matt Bomer tells him that he's 105 and he's gotten to the point where his mind is spent and he just wants to die. That people weren't meant to live this long. Which is 100% true. So this isn't set that far in the future. So Mm -hmm. even though they talk about people being immortal and living forever, you're never going to find someone that's over like 105. That's... Yeah, the the oldest... I think this guy's the oldest one we see in in the movie. Yeah. So it kind of loses a lot of impact when everyone's just kind of... Like, you can live to that age now. Yeah. So... I feel like if they'd said it a thousand years in the future and there were people that were hundreds of years old, like that would make more sense than yeah. setting it now where you don't have more even like a millennia in the future. Like, yeah, give it like some time to breathe. Yeah, that here. was strange. Although I can see reaching 105 and being like, oh my gosh, I have to do that again. I totally, <laughs> no, I totally get that. Like, yeah. And I, I feel like this is the problem with immortality 
is exactly what they're talking about right here. It's not that your body will yeah. wear out, but it's that, like, mentally we weren't meant to live for longer than 100. Oh, yeah, and people would just get crazier and crazier. Yeah. And I feel like that, again, like, these are things that we could have explored more. Yes. People going bonkers, going mm-hmm. time crazy. I think that would have been really interesting. It would have been, and it yeah. would have been more realistic, especially since you're setting it in the early days of this. These would be the first people to start getting this old. Yeah, exactly. So you'd start really seeing the effects of it. That would have been a cool conspiracy to uncover. That people yeah. are trying to hide that that happens. Right, that like people. 90% of people that live longer than this go nuts. And everyone yeah. else, you just see the, the 10% that managed to hold it together. Yeah, that would be really interesting. So uh, Matt Bomer tells Will some hard truths about how only a few can really be immortal because of birth rates, basically. Like, right. people are still having children. Although I would like to point out that they are not having a lot of children. No, they're having like one, which is not even replacement rate no so i don't really understand this birth rate argument because it's not like they're 25 their whole life so they have like 50 children like that's not the case at all they're having normal amounts of children i mean less than normal honestly in most most situations like that poorer people have more children but that does not seem to be the case we never see anybody with more than one kid so their birth rate should be falling and this is another thing that doesn't make sense why would you keep your factory worker population so impoverished and just have them dying all the time that doesn't doesn't help you it doesn't help your economy it doesn't help anybody i yeah and you don't really seem to understand like you know economies and stuff in this in this movie (laughs) it doesn't seem to be a strong point for them yeah but i will say it's insane that Justin Timberlake is like, what? That's what's happening? We're being kept down by the man? I know, Yeah, how could you not know this? Especially since it's such an arbitrary system that we weren't born with. Like, yeah. why, do you, why did you think that this was happening? Well, and why... So, here's another thing that gets talked about a lot, is the concept that this time is all stolen, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's... But they never talk about what it's stolen from. Like, are babies secretly born with, like... 60 years on their clock and they're brought down to only one one year like where is the time being stolen from it's implied that it's being stolen from the average person but we are given no evidence that that's true i mean i think they just mean it in a broad moral which which makes me upset that they keep using it so much without explaining it but i think they mean it in a broad moral sense of it was stolen because this is a rigged system basically And that doesn't make sense at all. Like, what would actually make sense would be if people were... And see, this is what I kind of wish the movie direction had gone in, was babies are born with, you know, like, 80 years on the clock. There's no, you get to live till 25 before your time clock starts. Like, no, you are born, you have 80 years on your clock. That is how much life that you are guaranteed by your birth. But from the time you are a child, you can start using that. Your parents can use it for you. So, like, there's literally children dying because their parents have sold off all their time or like Uh, rich people are buying up babies and like siphoning the time off them and throwing the babies out like this is the kind of stuff that would have made it really interesting yeah i mean that's really like moral quandaries right and in this situation that's the type of thing that would actually be happening not this we're guaranteed 25 years so i was thinking about that too there's so many interesting aspects of even the even the way that we're seeing it now that you don't go into like if you know that someone who's going to turn 25 all of a sudden has one year especially in the slums where people kill you over like a week wouldn't you think that you would learn culturally to be really wary of people who befriend you around, like, the year before that. Right, and you'd lie by your age a, a lot. Right, it would be a scam situation. You're totally to right. on that. I mean, yeah. So people should definitely be in danger when they turn 25. Yeah. There's a lot of things. And the other problem is they never talk about the middle class. They talk about the super wealthy and the super poor. They almost but the imply middle... that there isn't a middle class, even though there must be, especially given all the time zones well, in between. Well, yes. And the middle class is what's really the problem with this system, right? Because they talk about, like, well, only a few can be immortal. But, like, the problem is if time is money, the middle class should be living to be, like, however old they want. Right. Because this is the deal, like the middle class eke along a living and you keep working and you keep whatever and you have however much time. And if you can keep working forever, 
Yeah. The middle class should be able to live until they decide to die. And that's that would be the issue with the economy. That would be the issue with the birth rates. Not that's the super really wealthy that could live forever. Because the middle class would also be able to live forever. Right. And another issue that they never went into is that there are a finite number of jobs. Especially in the really wealthy areas, people who have really high-paying, high-powered jobs, they're never going to give them up. Because they don't have to. Exactly. So... You either are going to have a bunch of people running around doing busy work, nothing jobs, or having no jobs at all. But that or a cr- super high murder rate for and people. And that's that what have would high, really yeah. happen. So it would end up being kind of like the royal family, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well, it's my turn now. And it's not even over money, it's over like positions and power and the fact that you never get to become your own person because your family for multiple generations is just back there still running things and they're never not going to be doing that yeah also a really interesting concept andrew nickel call me i know i got ideas this was such a wasted opportunity it was an interesting idea and they just didn't do anything with it yeah oh gattaca was amazing but this was not that anyway back in the warehouse (laughs) They're talking about how because only a few can be immortal, a bunch of people have to die really young. This is the trade-off. And that's why life keeps getting more expensive in the poorer parts of town. Because even though they have millions of years in the bank, like, it's super important that these people all die super young. Yeah, and not live long enough to even become efficient workers for the super rich. I mean, that's the part that makes no sense. Right. Because the the irony is, of course, like, if you took a year off of everybody's life, you would be immortal. Like, you don't really need that much time to be immortal. People don't have to die at 20. They can just die at 60, and you would still be immortal because of all the people that were supposed to die at 65 or 80 or whatever. Like... Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Although that's sort of thing is also true for some of the super rich now where you're like Jeff Bezos calm down you don't need any more what are you doing no that is true uh but to be fair a lot of those people do charitable stuff and these people are that is true not doing any of that just pure monsters yeah and it's a very rigidly controlled economic system, weirdly. Oh, yeah. Because all they ever think about is keeping the poor down. I mean, yeah, it's I like an actual thing that they're very worried about. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's like 16th century France or something. <laughs> it's, it's weird. So Matt Bomer tells Will there's actually more than enough time for no one to die before their time. If you had as much time as I have on that clock, what would you do with it? Stop watching it. I can tell you one thing. If I had all that time, I sure as hell wouldn't waste it. Decide on one answer and go with that. I know. It sounds like you couldn't make up your mind. They that were is both too good. Agreed. They were like, he, he was like, they're both such good lines. I know. I can't get rid of them. Gonna use both of them. So they sleep on the conveniently left couch and chair. And in the morning, Matt Bomer wakes up before Will. So he gives him almost all of his time and leaves a message not to waste it. And then screams. It was a pretty good message. Don't waste my time. I know. It was so clever. I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Left himself five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then Will wakes up and sees that he's gone in the message and figures out what's going on. So he goes to find him and he finds him on this bridge, but not before... The rich guy's time runs out and he falls into the water. Yep. But in plenty of time to be caught by the video camera conveniently left on the bridge. Yay. Will immediately goes to tell his friend from the factory. Because I guess his mother is at work. Unclear. She seems to be, like, because the bus meeting hasn't happened yet. And yet a night has occurred. So she's gone for, like over a day at her job. But, like, how does she have work and neither Justin Timberlake nor Johnny Galecki do? That seems weird. Well, she must not work in the city because she's having to take a bus two hours to get to where he is. Yeah, I don't know. So, and he gives his friends a decade also, and then his friend, who's got a wife and baby, immediately go off to a bar to get drunk. So classy. Good job. Will's mom pays some loans and then gets on the bus, only to find out that the price has gone up beyond what she has left. She is an hour and a half left. The bus is now two hours. The, the trip is also two hours. So the, the walk is two hours. She said it's Sorry. a two-hour walk. Yeah, and the walk is also two hours. And theoretically, this does make sense, because it's like, why wouldn't you... 
you're paying to not waste two hours, right? So theoretically, that's an even rate of exchange, except for the fact that we've already seen a cup of coffee cost four minutes. Yeah, I know. Instead, we just get, like, the most expensive bus trip in the world. And the most heartless bus driver in the world. I know, she's like, it's a two-hour walk. I just have an hour and a half left. My son will pay the difference. And she's like, she's like, it's a two-hour walk. And he's like, well, then you better run. I know. I was like, that is cold, man. Yeah. And, but she does. She she yep. immediately starts running. So And as she's running, we see that nobody stops to help. Like, nobody gives her a ride. And yeah. nobody will, like, let her in. Like, she's trying to, like, get money from anyone or get time from anyone. And no one will give her anything. And Yeah. Will figures out what happened when the bus comes and goes without her getting off of it. And so he runs to meet her, but he doesn't get there in time. As they run toward each other dramatically, her time clock counts down and she dies in his arms. As she flies into his arms. Let's talk about this math problem. Okay. (laughs) She thinks that the bus is going to take, cost one hour. That means that if she has an hour and a half left, the bus can't be more than 30 minutes on the drive. So... If she starts walking, <laughs> she's been walking for 30 minutes when the bus gets there and Justin Timberlake realizes she's not on it. So we've got an hour and a half left walk that they are now meeting in the middle. So she would have 15 minutes left. Oh, The right. math doesn't work. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's amazing. Anyway, but we had to see her die dramatically and Justin Timberlake has Now that he has all lose. the time in the world. But what is it worth? He can't save his mother. So now we cut to the next morning, maybe, because it was night out, but Uh, now it's daylight. Unclear. There's a lot of weird time, day, night transitions that don't really make sense. Yeah, it's made clear to us that that is not what we should be worried about (laughs) or focused on. Just think about the plot, people. Are you heartless? (laughs) So... Let's say it's the next morning. The timekeepers, led by Killian Murphy, just now get around to fishing this rich guy out of the river. I mean, I guess it could have taken an entire day if it took that long for somebody to notice the body. But it, I, I don't mean, know I if they saw him on the camera. They also seem to keep track of people through their time. I don't understand how they found them or why it took a day or why it took a day. Like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, unclear. I, I really don't know. And they don't go into it at all. So we'll just assume it's the next morning, though, I guess. So they assume it was theft because they knew when he left that he had over a century on him. And so they, Killian Murphy, who is timekeeper Raymond Leon, looks like a Leon, right? Yes. (laughs) You can tell by the pastiness of his skin. Yeah. It's a real Wesley Snipes situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says that they need to follow the time, like follow the money, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's also so helpful. His his colleagues are like, what do we do now? And he's like, what we do all the time, follow the time. And then walks away like that's orders or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. first of all, we know. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Literally our job description. Yeah. Also, we see later on that, that somehow they have a huge computer that keeps track of how much time is in what area Mm -hmm. but i don't know how that's the case so just know that it is somehow possible for them to keep track of time and yet there is no possible way that they could change it no well they yeah that they can't change it indirectly and that they also there's no real logical way for them to know where the time is like yeah it's on people's individual time clocks yeah i no idea and this is where we also find out that he's probably about 70, 75. Because yeah. he's... He said he's been doing the job for 50 years. Yeah. So. Back at headquarters, they check the security footage on the bridge and see Will running away from the bridge after the rich guy's fallen off of it. They claim that the camera doesn't show them how the body got into the river, which seems blatantly untrue. Because we see Will Just... stopped staring off the bridge, which means that they should have been able to see either that... The rich guy fell of his own accord because he didn't stop that far from where he fell or that Will never actually touched the body. They should have been able to see that anyway because they would have been able to see Henry walking to the bridge five minutes before Will gets there and he was timed out so they know that Will didn't do it. Even just by that circumstantial evidence, they should be able to see that it was impossible for him to steal his remaining minutes. Right, because they see... 
where he stops on the right. bridge, which means that they can see that he never touched him once he was on the bridge. Yeah. So I don't understand any of this logic. Timekeepers are terrible at their job. What don't you understand? <laughs> well, I did understand that. Okay. Raymond decides the time has left town based on a bunch of assumptions that turn out to be true, although for different reasons than he's assuming them. So that's convenient. In this society, wouldn't it be a point of pride to be very old? Yeah, you would think so. So why is it that when a hooker crawls, calls across the river to him, like, I'll give you 10 minutes for an hour... Why is it that when he says, you're still doing this, you must be pushing 60 so-and-so, and and she says, thanks for telling everyone. Yeah, what does it matter? Like, she still looks like a hot 25-year-old. People don't care about how old their hookers are as long as they look good. And and she's been surviving for 60 years doing this. Right, that should be a point of prestige. If anything, she should be, like, the world's best hooker. She's got 60 years of experience. I know, right? (laughs) And her 25-year-old body. Exactly. So, back in the ghetto, a fancy car picks up Will. He goes through time zones with increasingly high charges and tells the driver, who he does not know at all, that he's going to make them pay. Yeah, good job, guy. So let's talk about time zones for a second. Time zones in this movie are basically, like, dividers between different parts of the city where you have to spend a certain amount of time to get into it. And the better the part of town, the more you have to spend. Like, so to get into New Greenwich, which is the best part of town, you have to spend years to yeah. enter the time zone. Oh yeah, the last stop, al- the last entrance alone is one year. And he, you can see he spent like months on each. Yeah. Progressively higher. Yes. And he started out in time zone 12. So it's, it's a lot that he spent to get here. Yes. So I don't even know how you institute something like this. Like... This is the, this is so weird. Was it a dictator that took over and decided that this was going to do it? Like, there's things that I don't understand how they can evolve. Yeah. And then the other. This is one of those things that for sure can't evolve. Like, it's it's just somebody does this. I know, especially because the nicer the part of town, the more you have to pay. And that's ridiculous, too. So it's not even like a tollway. Like, a tollway Mm -hmm. would make sense because it's like, well, the poor people can never get to the rich part of town because they can't afford the tolls. Like, yeah. No. They're literally ensuring that you can't get to that part of town by charging an extortionate amount of money to get into that time zone. And that's weird. Like, they're not even trying to hide it. Wouldn't you think also that you would reverse that? If you really don't want poor people leaving, wouldn't you charge one year for them to get out of their part? Because this way, you're charging rich people more to stay closer to their area. Okay, well, that is an excellent point. But I do think it's possible that, like, the the poor people might need to travel between their own. That's true. It's almost like there's flaws in the system. I know. <laughs> almost. It is apparently possible to travel without traveling through the time zones, which we will see. Uh, it doesn't really seem to be that much of a problem. And I don't know, because I don't know if you have to pay any tolls to go to the poor part. Of, although I think we see we that you do have to pay tolls, which means that rich people are having to pay years to go slumming it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Which means that they would have known, I guess that's how they knew he had over a century on him when he went to the bad part of town. But I guess like so. I don't know. The time zone thing is weird. Anyway, <laughs> once he's in New Greenwich, he immediately runs into Amanda Siegfried, who is named Sylvia Weiss. And by run into, I just mean she sees him. Like, they don't actually talk. Yeah. Uh, And here's where, if you're watching the movie, you may notice what a terribly disguised wig she's wearing. I know. Spoiler alert, it's supposed to be her real hair. She wears it the entire movie. I guess because she's rich, her hair can look weird? I don't know. I guess. So... He checks into a room at a really nice hotel, and then he's eating at a restaurant, and, like, the whole time Sylvia's watching him, because she's got nothing better to do, I guess, and, like, the waitress is like, you're moving too fast, like, you're not from around here, are you? You're moving too fast, you need to move slower, because you've got, like, all this time, and... Yeah. It was kind of an interesting thing, of this idea that the rich move really slowly, and the, the poor move really quickly. So then he goes to a casino, where she just so happens to play a poker game against Sylvia Weiss's father, Philippe Weiss. They somehow get into a conversation. Vincent Carthizer, yes. by the way. Just in case we wanted to know if this guy was evil or not. Yeah, it's Vincent Carthizer, so immediately, yes, he's yes. evil. <laughs> they somehow get into a conversation where Philippe gets to argue the case for the super rich. 
Some think what we have is unfair. The time difference between zones. I've heard that. But isn't this just the next logical step in our evolution? And hasn't evolution always been unfair? It's always been survival of the fittest. Oh my gosh, I would be so happy if I never heard the phrase survival of the fittest ever again and only heard the term natural selection used by actual biologists. It is always misused and survival of the fittest has been an erroneous, uh, very specious phrase for forever and considered that way for at least 10 years. Fitness biologically is defined by your reproduction rate and whether your offspring survives. Yeah. So if you die, if you've been sickly your whole life and you die right after your kids are born, if they survive, technically you're more fit than somebody who had great health for a hundred years and died childless. Yeah. Like that's the biological thing. And natural selection is only natural selection if the reason that somebody died or survived has to do with a phenotype that they have. Well, the other thing is, you cannot claim that this is the next step in evolution when we've already been told that you were genetically engineered to be this way. I know. It's That's not next, evolution, guys. The next step in man-made evolution. Yeah. We decided that this was going to be it, and we did it. Done. Then Philippe shows what a terrible person he is by raising the stakes enough that Will is left with less than 30 seconds on his time clock. I mean, this guy's an actual monster the entire movie. Yeah. Like, he's a huge jerk. Why would you do this? Hey, but stranger. I might like to see you die in front of me. Exactly. Will wins, of course, and gets then over a thousand years from the stakes. Then Philippe introduces Sylvia to him. Because she also happens to be hanging out in the casino that night. Why yeah. not? She's not actually doing any gambling. He's not there with the rest of his family. It's just him, her, him and his daughter who's wandering around in the background. I mean, wouldn't that be a lot of your life if you had so much time? That's true. She doesn't seem particularly interested to be there. Yeah. Although she is only, we find out, she's only 27. Oh, okay. So she theoretically would still be young and interested in life. That doesn't seem to be the case, though. It's not it seems the case. like if you're born rich, you're automatically born super bored with everything around you. Yeah. Anyway, they apparently don't have rebellious teenagers. Sylvia invites Will to a party the next night just because we needed her to for a plot. <laughs> At said party, Philippe again introduces Will to his daughter, saying, I believe the two of you have already met. Like, he wasn't the one that introduced them the previous night. Uh, he heard about it. <laughs> it was hot goss that he heard later. You introduced them, idiot. Oh, my gosh. I believe the two of you have already met is what you say when you know they've been canoodling behind your back. I know. I, uh, have a vague memory of your face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my brain's very old, so I'm not super sure. Yeah, he's around 100, so... Sylvia and Will flirt a bit, and then Sylvia complains about how the rich never live because they have too much time. So Will takes her on a very brief adventure, which is just swimming in the ocean which, before which, returning to the party. Which Vincent Carthizer sees and is like, well, I guess I won't worry about my daughter going off with a stranger, even though I'm constantly admonishing her to stay by her guards at all times. I'll just see where this goes. Well, later he's looking for her at the party, right when they turn up again. Oh, yeah. And her wig looks terrible wet. Yeah, so... Also, he's like, you live right by the ocean. You've never been in it. And she's like, we never do anything that might be any like dangerous at all because everyone's so scared of dying. And I'm like, okay, this is taking it to an extreme. The fact that yeah. rich people would not go anywhere near the ocean because it might be dangerous, that's insane. Yeah, it, and it's strange, too, because as you get older... Well, it's an interesting concept that as you get older, you get more risk-averse naturally. Mm -hmm. But... It's it's basically like they're acting like, well, only an act of violence or whatever can actually take my life or mm -hmm. like some freak accident so that they get super cautious. But like, that's pretty true now. Yeah. It, for a lot of people, you know, you're not walking around being like, well, I'll do something dangerous because I might have a stroke. Well, yeah. And things like swimming in the ocean aren't that dangerous. Especially if you have a bunch of money, it becomes not dangerous. Well, yeah, because they also don't go that far out, you know? They're not swimming the English Channel, like... Right, <laughs> at, at night. You can hire people to make sure that it's not dangerous, which is what rich people do now and what they would have done then. Yeah. So they return to the party, and Will's about to go play more poker with Philippe when timekeeper Raymond Leon shows up and questions him in a spare room... While Sylvia and Philippe with apparently an open door. watch from the hallway. Yeah, open door, guests in full view. Yeah. 
He would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for that meddling timekeeper. No, They can't prove he's done anything illegal, but Raymond apparently can't imagine a world in which someone over 100 would choose to die. Yeah, they're acting like this has never happened before because he's constantly berating his younger colleague who is like, well, maybe he did it on purpose. And he's like, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> call me when you've been doing this for 50 years. Yeah. If you guys are looking for stolen time, maybe you should arrest everyone here. Oh, I see. You're talking about justice. I am a timekeeper. I don't concern myself with justice. He says before time knelt at the train tracks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what was this line? That was insane. It's a little too on the nose. Yeah. They take all but two hours from Will and take him away or are about to take him away for booking and processing. He wants to know why they're bothering with him when people are murdered in the ghetto every day. And Raymond reminisces about hearing Will's father say the same thing. Will breaks free of the timekeepers and takes Sylvia as a hostage in order to escape. There's a brief car chase with Raymond, during which Sylvia asks Will, do you even know how to drive? And he says, what's there to know? He's driving amazingly. Yeah, he really Are we is. really supposed to believe that Will doesn't know how to drive? Because he's in an active car chase and he's winning. Yeah, and yet he wouldn't know how to drive. No. He would never have learned how to drive. Yeah. Will asks Sylvia for some time, but Sylvia now thinks he's a killer and a thief and what doesn't give him any. She is unswayed, apparently, by the fact that he doesn't then murder her and steal her money. Yeah, right? Although like, maybe why would you're... you refuse him time if you thought that he was killing people by stealing all their time? Yeah, I was going to say maybe that hadn't occurred to her, but sh- that's literally what she thinks he did. So yeah. They fall into a trap, though, set by the previous gangsters, the English gangster. Well, yeah, so at this point, they're all the way back in his home yeah. time zone. So there's a bunch of things now. <laughs> I have a bunch of things to say right now. One thing, they are now in his original time zone. Yeah. Which they got to without ever having to pay a single toll by anyone. He's still got like an hour left. Also, he had, he was given two hours by the timekeepers. It is now daylight. The party was at night. Uh, maybe time zones are also time zones in our traditional sense, but like with seven hour differences. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have it. This was so weird. Anyway, the gangsters have laid out tire spikes because they've, I guess, somehow been tracking them. And they drive over the tire spikes. The car swirls out of control. They both hit their heads and pass out. It flies through the air. Like, it flips (laughs) over lengthwise. Yeah. And let me just tell you, having seen episodes of Cops, that is not actually what happens when somebody lays out tire spikes. (laughs) Also, if they're looking... we, We see... Uh, several times that if you die with time still on your clock, you can't get the time out. Yeah. Like, peop- you, nobody can steal it from you if you're dead. Yeah. So it's a little bit crazy that this is their plan to steal, like, keep people alive. I mean, because it's insane that they didn't die from that. Yeah. So good job, English gangsters. Well, and he was like, it worked too well, because now this really nice car has been destroyed. So... So Will and Sylvia are both unconscious in the car. The gangsters go up. They realize that Will has almost no time left, but Sylvia has a decade. So the gangster steals a bunch of her time, but before he can steal all of it, he's scared off by a car driving by. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the timekeepers, but then it wasn't. It's not. Or maybe it was, and it just took them forever to get to the scene. <laughs> I don't. It's one of those things where you can see it, but like you're on a bridge, so you have to take a huge detour to actually get around to under the. It must bridge. be the case. I yeah. No. Which you think you would know, and just steal the remaining time. There wasn't that much left on the clock. I'm not poor. I don't know what it's like in the ghetto, so <laughs> I'll just assume that. <laughs> yeah. So they scamper off. Then, like Will and Sylvia, both immediately wake up, like right after they leave. <laughs> yeah. And With no brain damage at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they've been passed out for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And Sylvia freaks out about how little time she has left on the clock. She has half an hour. And she immediately asks Will for time. And he's like, oh, how the tables have turned. Also, you know he has almost no time. He's running on negative time now, according to my own estimates. Yeah, exactly. But he still gives her time. 
He does. So that they, like, now have equal amounts of time. Because that way we can see just how generous and amazing Will is. Yeah. The two of them run off just before Raymond shows up to the scene with his timekeepers. So they're still hot on the trail, although far enough back. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That we don't really have to worry about them for a while. Will shows up at his friend's house for help, only to be told by his wife that he drank himself to death with the time he gave. So his friend's dead and his wife's super angry at him. (laughs) Understandably. Partially because he did die with nine years still on his clock that she could have used. Yeah. Even now that he's dead. Right. She'd just been talking about how much she wished they could use the baby's year because they're so in debt. Yeah. Yeah, Will, Will doesn't even ask the wife for, for time. He, he's properly ashamed. But they now have minutes to spare. So they run off to a pawn shop and pawn Sylvia's earrings. It's funny, this movie, it's like nothing is worth doing unless it's almost too late to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, things are, like, just about to close or just about to leave or, like, all of these things. So, like, the pawn shop is literally closing its doors for no apparent reason when they run up with seconds to spare. Like, it's all very, everything is like that in this movie. It's funny, though, because when you think about it, the poor people would be really good at running because they would probably run everywhere. Yeah. Uh, So they pawn Sylvia's ear, so now they have enough time. Then Will demands a thousand years in ransom for Sylvia from her father to be delivered the next morning, but her father never pays. Mm-hmm. Oh, again, white knight in shining armor. He doesn't want it for him. He says, give it to this. I mean, it's basically like a soup kitchen, but with time. Yeah. For people who are running out. Yeah. But Will is also such a knight in shining armor that he sends Sylvia home even without the ransom. Yeah. But as she's calling her father for the payphone and berating him a little bit, she sees the timekeeper, Raymond, aiming a gun at Will. So she shoots him and escape, and they escape in his car. But not before. Will gives the timekeeper enough time so that he'll survive until his fellow timekeepers show up. Yes. Because, so this is an unnecessary character trait, but plot relevant, I guess. Yeah. That yes. Raymond... They So the timekeepers get per diems so that they're not targeted by thieves. But he always cuts it super close to the bone. So that's an ongoing character trait. So anyway, we'll give him enough time that his fellow timekeepers can come help him. They rob a rich woman. Now I'd say your money or your life, but since your money is your life. This movie keeps using these things like it just happened today. Yeah, I know. Like, they were raised for... So if there's people that are 100 years old, then this has been going on for the poor for several generations. These expressions, your money or your life, wouldn't exist anymore. No. And even the rich are using these, even though they also don't know what it was like before. Uh, Vincent Carthizer says talks about how confusing it is to try to tell if, like, that's somebody's wife or mother or daughter. He's like, it used to, things used to be simpler, I'm told. And I was like, yeah, you wouldn't have even brought that up because yeah. it's not the world you live in. Exactly. Then Will and Sylvia make out a bit while thinking about their options. They're now a unit. She asks him if he would really give all his time away if he got a lot. And he says he's only ever, ever had a day. What more do you need? The poor are not inherently generous just because they know what it's like to be poor. And they're not carefree. Surely he would keep at least a week on him because he knows what it's like to only have 30 seconds. Right. Like, I could sure use some cash. It doesn't mean that I'm going to give it all away and be like, well, I've always made do with not enough. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I'll just never have enough and that'll be fine. Like, it's not something that you're okay with keeping that way. Yeah. But Will's a saint. It's his, his ongoing phrase. You can do a lot in a day. So Sylvia helps Will steal a bunch of time from one of her father's many banks and encourages everyone who's in the lobby to also take whatever they want out of the vault, for which they will be horribly prosecuted. Like... You, there's cam, surely there's cameras. Like, they're not going to just oh, be yeah. like, well, there's no way we could possibly know who's who and who took what, especially because they're still loitering outside of the bank when the timekeeper shows up and, and is he like, shows no interest in prosecuting them. He's like, get out of here or I'll confiscate every minute. Right. He's like, you guys have a lot of time for being near a bank. Like, get out of here. I'll confiscate it all. And I'm like, you were super picky about it before and yeah, now you don't care. You should confiscate it all since your job is basically to keep poor people from having any time. Exactly. And come on, guys, like, don't, like, don't take a lot. Just take the little thing that gives it to you. And stick it in your purse or something. Yeah, because otherwise we've already seen you'll get murdered. I know. People do walk around with a lot of time on them. 
oddly. So then Will and Sylvia wander through the ghetto, giving it to the homeless and the charitable on the streets. Philippe is very unhappy about it. But surprisingly, his wife lectures him about how he was suffocating her daughter and also everyone else in the family, so he should not be so angry. Your daughter just robbed six banks, lady. Don't try and defend her. Don't say this is all your fault, like, because you suffocated her. And she shot someone. Yeah. I mean... Your daughter is on the run for good reasons. And she shot the man who was trying to bring her home, actually. Exactly. I mean, I get, you know, her... In order to save her kidnapper. Right. And, like, I get, you know, what it looks like from Sylvia's side, but what must it look like from her mother's side? I know. Her mother is, like, all defending Sylvia, though. Not like, our daughter's a total screw-up because of you and you're... You withholding love from her. Like, you know, it's like... Mm, She's a cool mom. TM. She totally is. Raymond catches up with Will and Sylvia, though, and chases them through the streets, firing recklessly. (laughs) They're just poor people. What what does it matter if I hit one? (laughs) No. Until they escape on a bus by bribing the driver. I think it's the same driver as the one that refused his mom. I I would assume that was just not wanting to cast someone else, though. Right? I'm not going to pay someone twice for this. Yeah. So they escape on the bus. Let me just tell you, having taken public transit in major cities it's before. It's speedy and efficient? Is no, that what you're going to say? There are cameras on buses. <laughs> this That's is set true. in the future. I refuse to believe they can't look at camera buses to track criminals through the future, especially a future that's so tightly controlled that you can't leave your time zone without people knowing about it. Yeah. Well, it's a real Doctor Who situation where it, you got to realize it's plot driven and you, yeah. don't, don't think too hard about it. Exactly. Will and Sylvia hole up in a hotel knowing they will certainly be killed when they are caught, but being schmaltzy with each other anyway. Yeah, that's pretty great. I love it. Their romance is dumb and boring and thankfully was not talked about very much <laughs> over the course of the film. Meanwhile, the gangster, the English gangster, enacts a reign of terror over the ghetto in his search for Will. He's just fixated on this guy. He's not going to stop until he gets his revenge. He does. And also steal some money from, or steal some time from him. Yeah, he also doesn't want these poor jerks having money. Yeah, he's got a real good understanding of the way their market economy works. Yeah. Which... So he gives them a lecture on it when he finds them at their hotel, which he does very soon. Yeah. Gives them a lecture about the market economy, which is apparently this know-how is how he's kept out of the timekeeper's attention. He makes a good point where he's like, why do you think they don't prosecute me? It's because I'm keeping poor people down and that's what they want. Right. I'm stealing from my own people. So like, there's only a certain amount of time allowed in this time zone and I'm not changing that. Yeah. And like, they know about me. They just don't care. Right. Instead of just killing Will though and stealing all his time. No, no. If there's only a certain amount of time allowed in that time zone, why was there even that much time in the banks there? Uh, good question. It is possible that they were in a different time zone. At a certain point, it's impossible to tell. (laughs) This is crazy. I know. It is. Okay, go on. But no, that's an excellent point because they did act like it was a really poor time zone. Maybe it's time they've collected from poor people. I I don't know. I don't know. There's no way to digitally transfer it, though, like, so. Even yeah. though you can apparently transfer it from your arm to a little storage device, you but can't we don't transfer have it through technology. wires. No, yeah. we don't have that technology. We can track it long, long, long distance, but we can't change it long distance. Uh, yeah, that would be ridiculous. So the English gangster challenges Will to, like, this version of arm wrestling where it's, like, who's who's stealing the time from the other person. Right. It's, like, whose arm's, arm's on, on top. top. Here's the reason why people like that think that they can win things like this. They're not worried about actually losing because they have goons around them, which he does, that have guns that will make sure that if he starts to lose, it doesn't actually happen. That's what should have happened. Uh, It's not what happened at all. His goons are very into fair play as well. Well, they're flabbergasted by this turn of events. Even though all three of them have guns. They're just staring. Basically, (laughs) Will has already told us in this movie about this technique his father had for winning these types of contests where he would let his own time go down until there's just a few seconds left and the person was distracted by the time clock and then he would like turn the tables on them and steal all their time and I guess by this point they're also still just freaked out by 
how little time they have. Theoretically, now he should be the one that's looking at their clock. I think what it is, is that he's saying that people don't realize that's what they do, that they lose their focus and their determination because they're just watching the time clock. But if you're already aware that that's what happens, you make an effort not to do that. You don't look at the clock. Yeah, but you would also think that a gangster that's super confident about his ability to win and does this all the time wouldn't be quite as distracted by a time clock. Well, yeah, because he's not doing this out of desperation like street fighters are. Yeah. He times him out and kills him and then immediately steals a gun from one of the henchmen and shoots them all. And then they run away yet again. Can I also point out, I feel like... So this being the only form of street fighting is crazy. Oh, yeah. It's so lame this is like so it's just about the time that doesn't mean you can't have other forms of fighting yeah so it's like if people were fighting for money here and it was just like a mad grab for cash (laughs) it was like who can grab the most cash from the other person yeah and that's all it was just like a weird cat fight with money right you can't fight at all any other way So they're on the run again, and Will realizes they can never win, because the more the poor have, the more the rich will charge them for living. He says it would take a million years to hurt them. So Sylvia says they should give up, but not in a way that makes you think they're actually going to give up. So Sylvia surrenders to her father at his office building. He's surrounded by even more guards, and it turns out that Will has been hired as one of his guards. What is the hiring process on this? He's one of the most wanted men in the city. I don't think he was actually hired. I think he like got a bodyguard suit and just like walked. Oh, out. and no one noticed because yeah. there were so many guards. Was He's so surrounded many. by like a small army. So. Yeah. So the two of them take him hostage and break into his vault to steal his first million. Try to understand, even if you gave a year to a million people, you're just prolonging their agony. You're prolonging their lives. Flooding the wrong zone with a million years. It could cripple the system. Let's hope so. We're not meant to live like this. We're not meant to live forever. Just in case we wanted to know what the movie was about. Yeah. And again, this is that thing where, like, Raymond sees the time loss on their monitors because they keep track of all of this, again, somehow, magically, and freaks out. He finds Will and Sylvia's car as they're driving back to the ghetto and chases them through the streets again, ordering (laughs) his men to shoot on sight. I guess they have, like, a super bulletproof car, though, because they get away, busting through the time zones as they go. So proof that you do, in fact, need to go through time zones to get to the poor parts of town. Raymond crashes his car into them and has them at gunpoint, but when the shelter announces that they have time, Will and Sylvia escape in the ensuing chaos. Not really that much chaos. Just a little bit of a chaos. Crowd crush. Yeah. yeah. They're low on time, but so is Raymond, because he hasn't gotten his per diem yet. Yeah. He catches well, he, up. And it's it's his choice not to have gotten it. He was like, oh, send me my per diem. And he's like, oh, wait, no, I found him. Never mind. Yeah. All he has to do is stick his wrist under a thing to get it. He could do that while he's driving. Yeah. He already knows that these people aren't going to try to rob him, because they don't do that. Yeah. He catches up with them, and Will figures out that Raymond's from the same neighborhood as he is. Uh, But Raymond says he's figured out how to escape. This was a super unnecessary plot element. They just get shoehorned in at the end, and doesn't affect at all how I see Raymond. That I completely missed, apparently. Yeah. This is news to me. Well, because it happens right before Raymond runs out of time. Uh Uh-huh. So he times out before he can arrest them. Will and Sylvia are like, oh, only one of us can make it with the amount of time. So they waste a lot of time arguing about who should take it. And then Will figures out, oh, wait, if he ran out of time, that means his per diem is just waiting for him in his car somehow. And so he goes to the car and requests time and again is running toward Sylvia. And but this time he makes it in time. Yes. To give her some because, of course, this is a dumb movie. So it should have a happy ending. They get a day and they can do a lot in a day. Roll the credits. Oh, wait, no, not yet. Yeah, no. We have to, we need closure on this story. we need so much closure. So then we see stories on the news about how the system is collapsing and zones are falling apart and Will and Sylvia are still on the run. These poor people aren't going to work. And the poor people are all walking up into New Greenwich. But here's something unrealistic. First time in this movie. Yeah. The timekeepers... Look at the colleague that uh, Raymond kept dismissing to tell them what to do. They say, we've lost all of these time zones now. Mm -hmm. What do we do? And he's like, walk away because we can't do anything anymore. 
they were not beneficiaries of all this stolen time. Mm-hmm. They still have to get paid or yeah. they'll die. Yes. So they don't have the luxury of just walking away from a job before somebody tells them you should leave. Yeah, very true. So it, it's a little bit strange for him to be like, well, we'll just walk away and live our own way. Anyway. Also, there's still going to be a role for timekeepers, even if... I mean, I would argue... Even if time zones collapse, because there's still going to be time-related crimes. I mean, I would argue more so, now that the rich are probably going to try to rob each other more. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many plot holes. From everything from, like, the birth rate not being high enough, yeah. to, like, the way the money, or the way the time system is set up, to, like, it's just anything that they did... I mean, there's so many opportunities that they missed. Yeah. But even with what they had... The stuff didn't make sense. No. No, it really, it could have been a lot better than it was, but also I think the concept was just not great for a movie adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> and it is kind of disappointing, especially with how good Gattaca was. Yeah. I don't know what... Oh, he wrote and co-produced The Truman Show. Yeah, he's done some really good stuff. So its budget was $40 million, and it made $174 million. <laughs> Man. So not a loss. No, not or at all. anyone. Nope. So next up, we have a very terrible comic book movie with a surprisingly good cast. Jonah Hex, starring Megan Fox, Josh Brolin, John Malkovich, Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Will Arnett Michael yeah, Shannon. Wow. A lot of people in this. I didn't realize that. And it was just, like, the worst, both critically and commercially. Oh, that's what I heard. I heard it was really bad. So oh, have I'm, you not seen it? No, I'm excited. It's pretty bad. And you can tell because its runtime is 81 minutes. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.